Welcome in to the Fantasy Playmakers Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Popelars, and you can find me on Twitter at PopesFFH. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ryan Mackey, who is at Mackey underscore FFB. And we are joined today by a special guest, Jacob Sanderson, uh, who you can find on Twitter at FF underscore RTDB. What's up, Jake? Not too much. I'm doing good. How are you guys? Oh, you know, just pretty peachy over here. <laughs> Living the dream, getting ready for draft day. You know, more and more receivers decide to weigh in. Some don't. And uh, it's just, you know, the picture just becomes ever clearer. So it's getting fun. Uh, we're counting off Kyle Pitts' 40 time, like all of frame by frame on our iPhones today. So, you know, what could be a better life than that? Right, for sure. I saw someone at, uh, I don't remember who it was, but they did like a stopwatch on their frame for frame, like you yeah. said of it and it's like 4.5 i was like okay that was pretty intense though i mean i four i think what did they laser him four four six i was pretty intense so something like that can move so he's fast he's okay whatever it is he's very fast he's very good right yeah he's a pro. uh why don't you uh let everybody know what you got going on in uh twitter world i know you took a little break there or any other content you got pushing out soon yeah you can find me on twitter ff underscore rtdb uh, i scaled back a little bit um, so for, for those that don't know, I am, I'm also a law student. We're moving towards finals right now. Um, so my ass is getting kicked and, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to kick back a little bit. Um, but we'll, we'll, I'll be back on Twitter full force, uh, real soon. I'm sure. Um, otherwise I, uh, I'm with uh, fantasy intervention. So at join our circle underscore, uh, you can find me every Tuesday night, uh, including tomorrow or well, Tuesday, whenever this comes out, whenever you're listening to this, um, I'm on there with Shane at Shane is the worst and Chase FF uh, underscore intervention. And we have a rotating guests and stuff that come on there on Tuesday nights at uh, 8 Eastern. And you can find some of my writing, uh, a lot of my past work up on, on the Fantasy Intervention site. And you can find some of my new stuff out on playerprofiler.com. Nice. Busy, 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 huh? Yeah, yeah I can uh, I understand the law there. Uh, my... Uh, fiance's sister was a law student she uh passed the bar a couple of years ago but yeah i remember when she uh, had her finals that was a was a uh, rough time there yeah it leaves less time for, for arguing in the twitter comments for sure right hey ryan how about uh what do you got going on anything new for you there well i've had my dog my dog going nuts right now for some reason um <laughs> uh no just been uh finishing up some film watching um uh, Keep an eye on the pro day as best I can. I actually didn't know that Florida had their pro day today, so I'm kind of disappointed that that happened without me knowing. Um, and Jeremy, the, uh, Thursday we talked about Amari Rogers, um, and I said that I was going to take him in the second. So I feel a little vindicated that the guys over at the DWZ, Dallas and uh, Memphis, and those guys said that they would uh, they're going to reach for Rodgers in the second. So I feel a little, I feel a little vindicated with that, uh, that take of mine that I had that you, you said no to. Hey, you know, (laughs) you know, you know, whatever, you know, you win some, you lose some. All right. But anyways, why don't we, uh, why don't we move on to some breaking news? I think the most, the, uh, most important thing that we got this week was Kenny Galladay finally signed. He signs in New York. Jake, how do you feel about Kenny Galladay? Any any comments? Anything quick here before we dig in? No, I mean he's you know he is what he is, right? He's a he's an outside clasher, which has its limitations, but he's probably one of the best at his role in the entire NFL. 
he's right in the prime of his career. I think he's going to do his age 27 season. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks I can think of that are better than Daniel Jones. But for a guy like Galladay, like what he needs is different, you know, than what certain wide receivers need, really. He just needs a guy who's willing to throw him open. Um, he needs a guy who's willing to take shots. And I think that Daniel Jones will do that for him. I mean, Jones has definitely has the arm talent and he doesn't fear throwing it deep. So I think he's going to get fed in New York. There's really nobody else who presents serious target competition for him there. Seems like an overpay compared to some of the other wide receivers that, you know, signed for way, way, way less. And I'm, I'm not sure that they're that much less impactful than Kenny Galladay, but he's going to help the Giants for sure. I think this is probably Daniel Jones's last year to prove that he can be the quarterback of the future in New York and Galladay's going to help give him a shot. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, I like all that. I think Galladay is um, – I'm hoping to get that Darius Slayton, that first Monday night game where he just burst out. I'm hoping to see that oh, yeah. all season kind of. I feel like that's Galladay is kind of going to take away from Slayton a little and, like you said, be that deep ball threat. And I think Daniel Jones knows going into this season that he's got nothing to lose and he needs to prove that he's the guy. And hopefully he unleashes it. Like you said, Galladay necessarily doesn't separate very well. So oh. I think as long as – Daniel Jones is fine with just launching it up to him. I think we'll be fine. But how are you, Ryan? How do you feel on Kenny Galladay? Uh, I feel like I'm a little bit more uh, pessimistic towards him right now, just because I feel like he he was clearly money chasing here. Like he's they're not they're not contending anytime soon. Uh, they had three guys over 90 targets last year with Saquon out, and now Saquon's gonna be back, and all those three uh, Ingram, Slayton, and Shepard are all back. Um, good thing is that Shepard gets to move back into the slot where I think he needs to be Slayton and Galladay can play on the outside. Um, Daniel Jones, according to PFF, he was a second ranked, uh, deep ball thrower in the league last year. So passes over 15 yards or more, 20 yards or more where, uh, he was second best in the league, which I was pretty surprised by, but his, his, uh, yards per attempt only 6.6 the past two years. And that's 27th and 28th in the league the past two seasons. So kind of, it, it, it's weird that he has such a good deep ball. But he doesn't throw the ball deep. I don't know if that's because of just the receivers that he's had to work with and, uh, having Saquon there and not really needing to stretch the field with, with the receivers. But, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pessimistic to an extent just because, like I said, I feel like they have, they do have a lot of weapons there. I'm not quite sold on Daniel Jones yet. They get Saquon back. Their line got worse losing Zeitler, and they're already 31st, according to PFF, as it was last year. So, and you got to have time to get the ball deep to Galladay. So I'm just a little, I'm just a little pessimistic, I guess. Even though I, he's a stud player, the talent is undeniable, but just a little pessimistic at a situation right now. Do you know that saying though? Like, if you have three of something, you don't have any of something. Like that's that's like the Giants, right? Like you said, they have three guys over 90 targets because they're all shit. So yeah, like if they, yeah, right, no, like if, if they had anyone who actually could earn targets then, you know, you don't have Darius Slayton out there running wind sprints all day, occasionally getting a target. You don't have Sterling Shepard as like a primary wide receiver, right? Like he's a good slot weapon. He's a good player if he's your third option, but he's like, he was their first option. And that's, that's pretty unfortunate. Evan Ingram, you know, not particularly efficient player. So I think, I mean, I don't think Daniel Jones is overly good. I, I think this Jason Garrett offense also uh, is questionable. Um, but I mean, at least theoretically, like, from a fantasy perspective, even like could Galladay see like kind of one of those Allen Robinson seasons where he's getting like a 30% target share 
and a lot of balls are whizzing over his head, but at the same time, he's just getting so much volume and he's, you know, the guy and he has that big play upside that, that he can turn it into pretty usable fantasy production. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that would be his route to the best production. Like you said, it's just that high volume kind of role, which I think he's going to easily be able to get. I think he's much more talented than Slayton and Shepard and oh, Shepard's yeah. probably like Ryan had said, Shepard's probably going to slide into the slot and Slayton will play the other side. And mm-hmm. Who knows if they don't draft another wide receiver? They could. I mean, they could, but that probably just takes – that's probably just an upgrade on Slayton, right? Like, you can yeah. see them drafting, like, a Waddle, maybe. Yeah, something like that. But they definitely need line help, so let's hopefully they go that route so they can at least, you know, keep Daniel Jones upright to throw it to Kenny Galladay. But yeah. we had two yeah, – And that's where, that's where my biggest concern is, to be honest with you. Like, I just – I don't – between Daniel Jones and that bad offensive line, I just – that's where the, the pessimism comes from. If they can yeah. improve the offensive line in the draft, then I'll feel a lot better about it. No, it makes sense. Uh, we had two less, I guess, would say impactful, say, signings. Uh, Josh Reynolds to Tennessee and Deshaun oh. Jackson to uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Do either of you guys have any quick notes on those two before we move into the rookies? Thanks for telling me that Josh Reynolds signed in Tennessee. I found that out uh, five <laughs> seconds ago. So um, He's there. I mean, their number, number two wide number receiver two. <laughs> is no longer Khalif Raymond, I guess. So that's good. Um, Josh Reynolds, better than Khalif Raymond. Uh, not good enough that they shouldn't draft someone. Uh, and not good enough to take more than you know negligible targets away from A.J. Brown, who potentially, like Tennessee also lost, like what, three starters on defense? I know they got yeah. Bud Dupree, but they also lost a lot of starters on defense. Uh, they might have to throw it a lot more this year, and they don't really have a lot of hold else. So A.J. Brown's going to get a million targets. Deshaun Jackson, I don't know. He's pretty washed, right? Yeah, I, I feel like I just think both these guys are kind of, if you play in a really deep league, maybe. I mean, you might get Deshaun Jackson for one game, maybe two. He just seems like he can't really stay healthy. Um, and then Josh Reynolds, if they don't bring anybody else in, could be viable just as that. Corey Davis type role where you might get a week or two that he's useful. And yeah. then most of the rest of he's probably not Ryan. You got any quick notes quick? Uh, no, not really. That the Tennessee offense is a little questionable right now because Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith is gone. So we're not quite sure what the offense is going to look like there. Uh, like you said, they're probably going to bring somebody into the draft or maybe bring in another guy from free agency. So I don't, I don't see them being done there in terms of weapons. Uh, Deshaun Jackson. I, that's, I feel like that's strictly a familiarity based signing. They need a burner guy that kind of like McVeigh has been on the record saying that they need to be more explosive. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Deshaun probably has lost a step or two, probably two, but uh, he does have familiarity with McVeigh from being the OC in Washington while Jackson was there. So it is what it is with him. He's not going to be a, he's not going to be a dynasty asset by any means. He might be a, he might be a late round flyer mm-hmm. in redrafts and, uh, definitely a late round fire in best ball, but that's about it. Nothing more. Oh my God! No, you can't. You can't do it. It's we're too. We're, we're it's too far from like, oh, Deshaun Jackson. He's better than he's better in best ball. That's that the whole the Deshaun Jackson better in best ball uh, for like the last ten years. We that trope has to die. Um, the only well, yeah, that, I mean, if he's oh, active, I know he is. He's, he's I know he's be. better in best ball. I know. It's if just, he's active, he's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> He, he at least, like, he probably serves a good real-life purpose, right? Because their offense yeah. was always best when they had a Cooks or a Watkins who wasn't yeah. even targeted that much, but they could just run clear outs, you know, because Cup and Woods aren't that field-stretching presence. At least it means we never, ever have to hear about Van Jefferson again, right? Like, he's not a thing? <laughs> no, I bet you they make him a thing. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot about him. 
That's good. Yeah, that's that, good. that's, that's the that. that's the big knock on Twitter right now is that Van Jefferson's down because of the signing. So he was always down. He sucks. <laughs> he's just he just he's a good route runner. He just I don't know. Wasn't I, he reminds me a lot of Kadarius Tony, which we'll talk about later. So yeah, I, I forgot that but. I'm on a film podcast. He's he's like 28 years old. I'm pretty sure he's older than Juju right now, right? Like he's actually older than Juju Smith Schuster at this current moment. Yeah, Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. I think he's yeah. like, going to be 24 this year. So oh if, you're, if you're going to be old and, and I'm going to have people tell me, you know, about a guy, okay, breakout age doesn't matter or whatever, look at him on tape. Well, if he's going to be old, he should at least produce in his first, in his rookie year a little bit, right? Like if he's going to come in as a 24 year old rookie. You'd hope he would be okay. I would hope he would be okay. He wasn't good. <laughs> Sorry. I like, I have like a very large hatred on Van Jefferson. So I come in hot on Van. Oh, it's all right. Uh, Ryan, you got an inside joke there with Zaheer? <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> I'm just laughing. That's like the I had a couple guys in my uh, in my random leagues that I'm in say that the, I told you before the show that I have a couple guys that watch the that watch the show and they're like, "Why do you look like Keenan Allen?" And now that, that guy said, that, I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> your your cartoon guy does kind of look yeah. like Keenan Allen, so yeah, I guess it, yeah, you're you're stuck. It's Keenan Allen. Speaking of good runners, <laughs> I just gotta say. But anyways, let's move on here. Let's start us off here. We'll start with Diami Brown. He's a six foot one, 185 pound junior out of UNC, who's produced back to back over thousand yard seasons. Um, Ryan, how about you start us off with Diami Brown? What do you? Any notes that you have on him? Uh, yeah, I uh, I like I like Diami overall. He's got strong hands. Uh, physical runner after the catch. He's really hard to bring down. Uh, as most people know, I, I like receivers that hand catch and don't let the ball get to their body. And he does that extremely well. He's not afraid of the middle of the field either. He's not one of those guys that he's some of the other guys that we've talked about before. And we'll talk about today. It seems like they hear footsteps and they, they kind of get nervous and just, just have trouble catching the ball in the middle of the field, but he's not like that. He'll, he'll catch the ball and he'll lower his shoulder and, try to fight for an extra yard or two if he needs to. Uh, his ball tracking ability, I so far he, I, I put him up there with anybody in the country in terms of ball tracking because he he is excellent, excellent at finding the ball when it's thrown in his direction. Uh, goodness, good body control and overall balance. Uh, good footwork off the snap. Uh, really good route tree and just always seemed to be open on his routes. I, I don't know if you noticed that as well, but it seemed to me like he was just constantly just open and he had, he did have to compete with uh, like touches in that offense. But overall, I think he, he just seemed to, he just seemed to constantly be open for me. So I, I like him overall. He, he can crisp his routes up a little bit. He can be a little bit more. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the word is, but more, more determined in his routes, I guess. Like he doesn't, he rounds off his routes a little bit here and there, but. Uh, he does have inconsistent hands. He'll, he'll have like a super impressive catch. And the next thing you know, he's dropping a curl route. That's hitting him right in the face and just not, just not consistent all that. Oh, he's consistent, but just not all the time. Uh, won't win a ton of jump balls and not much exposure to the slot, which is where I think he needs to play at the NFL level. So that's going to be something that they're going to have to work on when he gets drafted. But overall, I liked him. He, he's not my favorite of the group, but, He's he's not my least favorite either. Yeah, I mean, I think Diami Brown is one of those kind of I wouldn't say he's fully polarizing yet, but I feel like in this draft he kind of 
has that effect. He seems like you had said, he seems open a lot. He just necessarily, I think his limitations ended up coming from Sam Howell, who was a little bit better the past two seasons. But I just, I, I agree with you. I mean, he does have some times that he, I don't know if they're concentration drops or whatnot, but he gets open and he just tends to drop the ball every now and then. I don't know if he's trying to think that next move ahead. Um, but I just think he does a lot of stuff. Well, he has good footwork too in the release point. And I think that's why you notice he's open a lot. I think he just gets that first step on a defender and he has that step and takes off. Jake, how do you feel about Diami Brown? Yeah. I mean, I'm a fan for sure. Uh, it's sort of a pattern in terms of how I view a lot of these wide receivers is really just sort of my feelings on how the NFL game is evolving, which is that I think we play in more of a space-based game. Uh, than we have, you know, through a lot of prior years where a lot of offenses, if you go back, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, even five years ago, really run through the X receiver. And so when you're scouting these wide receivers, you're really trying to hone in on that alpha profile. And you're often looking for these guys who are these, you know, six, four, 210 pound clashers that can go out, make those contested catches. And, and the quarterbacks coming in these days, I think based on what you see in the college offensive schemes we're running is that's just not always the case. And you're looking at these guys who excel in space, excel getting into space, then can do stuff with the ball in their hands and work within the rhythm of an offense. And I think those are the guys that are really rising up my board and rising up in terms of the trend line of the NFL. And Deami Brown is, is totally one of those guys. I mean, he's, he has the type of skill set that I love in a wide receiver. He's got wheels for days. I, I don't know if you, I don't think UNC's had their pro day yet, correct? Uh, no, they haven't. But I think like it's this I, week though. I'd be stunned if he's not in the four threes. He's one of the fastest wide receivers I've seen on tape. Um, he's very sudden in his movements. He's really good with the ball in his hands. You know, the things that I don't love, um, his, he, he frankly, he's one of the worst contested catches wide receivers that I've scouted uh, within sort of the top 12 to 15 guys. Like he, it's not great. He, the defender, uh, the defender kind of comes up behind him. He doesn't really work back to the ball, claps up on top of him. And it's usually a drop or it's broken up um, pretty consistently. So he's a guy that's going to have to be schemed into space. It's interesting you said that he would work well in the slot. I think that's very possible. I sort of see him as, as more of a quintessential flanker wide receiver where he's going to be running a lot of double moves, getting into space, getting open that way. But it really depends on the offense. Um, I think that he he's going to be an explosive guy, but it will be inconsistent, as you mentioned. I, I think like I, I was watching the Virginia Tech game today, and it was really – you got the full Diami experience. You got, I think he had two touchdowns. He could have had three if they didn't call him on an offensive pass interference. So on these great double moves, gets open. And then at the same time, I think he had like two concentration drops and two or three more times he could have had an easy catch if he just worked back to the ball like a yard more. So you really see everything that runs the gamut. But I, I think if an NFL team believes in him and they put him in a position to succeed, he could be really successful, and I love to see him. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree definitely where with the coming back to the ball. That's like a big thing that I like to look for in these receivers is that it's subtle. It's not something that you notice. It's like you said, just a yard. Anything that that slight movement back to it allows them to get to the ball before the defender. And that's what makes a contested catch easier or just completely eliminates it because they get there first. Um, but I do. I, I think I like Deami Brown, but I, for me, I his size and everything that kind of reminds me, like, does he have a little bit of that Stefan Diggs feel to you? Like, I, I don't know if he's going to be that good. Yeah. I don't know if his ceiling's that high, but I feel like he could have that, that kind of feel. Do you know what I mean? Where he's, he's not the tallest guy, but yet he can get open all the time. Kind of type of player in his ceiling. Do you guys, how do you guys feel about that? Or 
am I just crazy? Crazy I, since I, no one's I answering. I think Diggs is. I mean, this is a groundbreaking statement. Diggs is better. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, no, I think I think Diggs is like Diggs just has more tools in the box to me. Like Brown kind of has the same release every time when I watch him when he actually gets pressed. The nice thing is I've actually seen him get pressed a lot, which I, I mm-hmm. can't say for a lot of these other wide receivers we're going to talk about that don't play, you know, in a solid conference or don't play in an outside role. So at least I've seen it and he can get off it. But like Diggs is just ability to totally undress people. He plays with more length. I think De'Ami Brown, he's, he's better in contested catch situations. Uh, I mean, that would be the dream, right? If he became Stefan Diggs and Stefan Diggs in college wasn't Stefan Diggs today. So it's certainly possible. He's a guy that can get open and make big plays. So I see that for sure. Yeah, it just kind of feels like that six, that just above that six foot range, right? And that 180, it just seems like his body type and like mm-hmm. that deep ball. And just, I don't know. I, I don't think he's got to be Stefan Diggs by any means. I just think that like he kind of has that feel to me. You mentioned his size. Uh, I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but uh, he's been weighing in in the upper 190s lately. And he he, uh, he was clocked at 185 for most of the season, 6'1", yeah. 185. That's what I got. Which is like, it's a little light. Uh, and that's very much sort of a slot flanker type mm-hmm. of weight. Uh, he's, he's, he's self-professed, uh, based on pictures of his scale on his Instagram story, uh, up to 199. So we'll see what he weighs in on the pro day. If he's actually up to the 195 to 200 range, uh, that's interesting nice. to me. Yeah. That makes him a lot more versatile. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, let's move to possibly, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be possibly the best route runner in the class. I don't know. He's a very polarizing guy. Uh, I think some people think you're crazy when they people mock him in the NFL draft in the first round, but it's definitely something that I could see happening. Well, he's always um, mocked, right? He's either yeah. mocked in the first round or, or he's mocked just end of sentence, one of the two. Yeah. So I think let's uh, move over here to Kadarius Tony. He is 5'11", 189, and he's a senior out of Florida. We only get one year of actual wide receiver eligibility to go off of statistically, which is a little concerning, but he did produce 984 yards and 10 touchdowns this season. Um, some things I do like about him is he is tough. He's physical. Um, he, like I said at the beginning when I introduced him, I mean, he's – a crazy route runner. I mean, he has great body control in the routes after the routes. Um, he has this pretty nasty, like jab foot. That's just, I mean, it's so violent that like the defenders, like three yards, the other direction falling down. I mean, it's, it's it's nasty. Like it's some of the craziest stuff I've seen. So, um, but he's very versatile too. He was used a lot in the run game. And obviously, like I said, he was only a full-time wide receiver this past season. So he was always kind of a utility type player. Um, Jacob, why don't you uh, let us know what you think about Kadarius Tony? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a paradox for sure. You mentioned we only have one year of college to go off of. Well, we do have four. However, <laughs> what he provided us in the first three years was 15 catches 25 catches, 10 catches, and two combined touchdowns. So that's not great. Um, unfortunately, he didn't break out till the senior season. However, you know, if I was a Martian dropped down from space just watching his senior season and I knew nothing else about his profile, I didn't know anything else about the hit rates of players, you know, with that super late breakout age, 
Uh, and I didn't even know what his production was in senior year because it still wasn't epic, right? He still didn't even hit a thousand yards senior year. He looks awesome, right? Like I, I'm not going to lie about that. I, I've watched a bunch of his games over the last few days and he does things that I don't see other people do. It's, it's almost similar to Jerry Judy last year with some of the stuff that he pulls at his releases. You mentioned the jab step. I almost think Kadarius Tony has like played basketball in his life. I can't confirm that, but he, he sort of right. looks like a two guard at the top of the key sometimes in his routes. He's got like that long hop step, fakes you out, gets open, you know, out of nowhere. It's pretty crazy. And of course, like, I mean, this guy, he has better contact balance than Travis Etienne. Like it's, it's insane. Like I'm watching this guy get handoffs or get these little shovel passes and he looks completely covered up. He has two guys on him and he just runs through them or around them or off of them. It's, it's really something else. I mean, I think the only guy who really compares to him in that category is probably Rondale Moore, who we'll talk about later, but those are sort of, you know, in a league of their own in terms of the, the level of ability that they have after the catch or potentially in the run game. I mean, the concern is really, it's just how much do you trust your eyes versus the profile? Because, you know, he, he, he made it over a 25% college dominator this year, uh, or 23%, sorry. So that's quite poor. Um, and that was his first year breaking up. So you've got a senior product. He's older than other prospects in this draft. And if he, if he came out in his junior year, right, which a lot of these other prospects did, just like we talked about with Deami Brown, Elijah Moore, uh, Waddle, uh, you know, Bateman, whatever, Rondale Moore, if he came out in his junior year, you, would, you wouldn't even know who he is because he had like 50 combined catches in three years. So you're basing off of like how much can we project what we're seeing on tape and, you know, why did it not show up until the senior year? Because he wasn't at Alabama competing with, you know, Judy and Ruggs and, um, and, and Smith and Waddle. Like he was at Florida, he has Kyle Pitts there, the aforementioned Van Jefferson. Um, but it's, it's, it's a perplexing package for sure. And, you know, seeing some on film, I understand more why the hype is there because he does do things that I don't see anyone else in the class do. Yeah. And I think that it, he does a lot of good things that NFL teams are going to like. And that's why I see people mocking him in the first round when you just watch it. Like you said, you watch that tape. He, he is, he's physical. I mean, that contact balance <laughs> is next level. And I think he uses that physicality even in the blocking game, which is for ah. a guy at, at five foot 11, I've, I've, feel he's going to be kind of like a slot type player and yeah. with that blocking ability and just being able to be used the way he can to me he seems like a better nfl player than a fantasy player but depending on how he gets used in the nfl it could translate to pretty good fantasy success ryan do you have anything on that i know you mentioned earlier you didn't necessarily want to you did a rookie profile on him so you might know a little more um yeah i mean he I, I like him, but he's he's just raw because he has such limited such limited uh, exposure to the ac the actual wide receiver position. Uh, you don't get the the Hornung Award finalist for being just okay in, in college football. I mean, he he was he was versatile, and they used him in all sorts of different ways. So um, he actually was a wide receiver of the week at, on the American side for the uh, Senior Bowl as well. So I mean, he's he's showing that he can do things at at the NFL level and against elite competition, but he's, he's just raw, man. He really, he really is. He, he's just gotta, he's gotta get exposure. He's gotta get, uh, he's gotta get a larger route tree. Uh, most of the stuff that I watched on film was like slants and drags and bubble screens and things like that, manufactured touches. So I'd like to see them 
like to see him get coached into a larger route tree. But if he, I'm not sure what his ceiling is, but if he can, if he can get into a good system and a good coaching staff that, that can expand on his raw abilities, I, th I think he can, like you said, be a better NFL player than probably a fantasy player. But even as a fantasy player, if he, if he can work on, work on his route running a little bit, work on his just raw abilities as a wide receiver, I think he could be, he could be somebody very viable because he, he was a quarterback out of high school. So it's not like he's, he's played wide receiver for like four years total. So it just, if you're thinking about, if you're thinking about drafting him, I don't have a problem with it. Just you don't expect it to be year one where he makes his year one or two, probably I say year three, maybe you start looking for a breakout, but I wouldn't expect anything in the first year or two. He, uh, do you think he's slot only in the NFL? Cause that was the biggest concern I had watching his tape is that he played like a lot in the slot or in motion. And a lot of that route running prowess was found with the defender who's 10 yards off. And so he's able to, you know, take advantage of the space offered to him. I'm not saying he can't create his own space. I just didn't see it a whole lot when he was actually pressed, which could be fine. I mean, if he's just a slot receiver, he's a slot receiver. Uh, and But I, that was that's my question to, to people who are really amped on him as a first-round talent. Yeah, I mean, I see him as a slot guy, and that's why I have him probably a lot lower than a lot of people do. And I just – just like Ryan said too, and like we'd mentioned before, it's just the one-year production and truthfully like the one year of playing full-time wide receiver. You know what I mean? Florida and even sports reference listed him as utility for those first three yeah. years. So, I mean, he's very raw and I, and the talents there, I mean, in the right round, I would take a shot on him. I just think that for me, I probably won't have a lot of shares because I feel like if he gets drafted in the first round, people will be taking him in the mid to early second in rookie mocks. And I just, that's not going to be good for me. Let's move on though to Seth Williams. This guy is one of my more so favorite type players, but he's got that alpha type style with the six foot three, 211 pounds. He's a junior out of Auburn. However, his past two seasons haven't been great production wise. Uh, he hasn't produced a thousand yard season in the past two seasons, and he produced only four touchdowns in this past season. Uh, Jake, why don't you lead us off on Seth Williams? How do you feel about him? Yeah. So, you know, if I go back to the beginning when I said I, I like guys who are, you know, exceed or excel in space, getting into space and working within space, that's not Seth Williams. He's that prototypical outside clasher, and I'm not a fan. Um, I think, like, here's what I do like about Seth Williams. Um, prototypical alpha size, right? That's great. And that helps in terms of whatever his limited athleticism is. When you size adjust, he's going to look better. Um I love that he produced fairly early and I think we always have to look at production as relative and not raw when you're looking at an Auburn team that still thinks it's 1940, right? Like don't watching the tape hurts. Like it sucks to watch. Auburn. <laughs> right. Uh, it like causes me pain. So that's, you know, for both him and for Anthony Schwartz, who's another Auburn wide receiver, I think you have to be able to grade on a little bit of a curve of the Bo Nix is pretty brutal. Uh, the Gus on offense is pretty brutal and they run it, you know, a ton. So it is what it is in terms of what I see on tape from Seth Williams. Uh, it's just, I don't know, man, like he's going to be outside because that's, you know, what he is, right? He is the prototypical X wide receiver. 
but I just don't see how he ever gets open much. Like I look at his releases and I can like see every one of his movements because it's not happening very fast. Um, and he is quite good at the catch point. Like he makes some really, really good catches. He utilizes the limited space he has available to him well, and he has very good body control. My question is, will he land with a quarterback who is willing to actually throw him open? Because I just think you see increasingly now in the NFL, these wide receivers, you know, like a Nikhil Harry, like Laquan Treadwell, like a Josh Dotson, who are these producers in college who come in and don't have that separation ability and rely on contested catches. If they don't have rapport with the quarterback, and if it's a quarterback who needs to see it before they throw it, they're not going to throw it at that guy. And that's just my concern with Seth Williams is in a league where everyone's an athlete and people thrive in space and offenses want the ball in space. It just seems, he just seems out of step, you know, where you're going to put this guy in and throw an end zone fade to Seth Williams and hope to draw, you know, a DPI or a contested catch. And it just concerns me because I don't like players that are this one dimensional. Um, so I'll, I'll pitch it back to you. I know you're more of a fan of Seth Williams and I, and I know he looks pretty good analytically. Yeah, I mean, I think my thing, I actually don't mind his tape, and the main reason is is what you mentioned, is the Bo Nix effect to me. Um, at least that's what I'll call it. I just think that he just had didn't have many opportunities as far as like actually catchable balls. It's almost like a Drew Locke scenario in the NFL with Denver. You know what I mean? These Everybody's down on Jerry Judy, but is it Jerry Judy, or was it just that Drew Locke couldn't hit a wide-open Jerry Judy? So... But I do agree. I think that Williams struggled in man coverage, which is concerning if he's going to be playing the outside, which obviously he should due to his size. Um, I just like what Seth Williams could become. I think that Seth Williams is still very raw and needs to be kind of straightened out. I think sometimes it looks like he almost lacks a little bit of effort at times. And I think that he needs to almost just kind of get like just nurtured someone has to come in and kind of just be able to coach him well and kind of just clean everything up. And I think what his ceiling is very high. I think Seth Williams could be very, very productive at the NFL level. It's just, I think when you, if you were to put it on a scale, I think you're leaning like 60, 40 towards like a bust type. I just don't know. Like you had mentioned, he does struggle in some categories that could hurt him because of his size almost and what he doesn't have physically like his speed necessarily he has decent speed but it's not like crazy so if he's not creating separation and he doesn't have the speed what is he i mean he's a really good contested catch like you had said i think there was one i saw that literally he caught it with like one hand as the defender was like in front of him so it was insane but it's like like you had said who's gonna throw him that ball not many quarterbacks in the nfl are just gonna loft it up like that at this moment at least how about you, Ryan? How do you feel about Seth Williams? We had kind of differing opinions there a little bit. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. I'm. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't that impressed by his film. To be honest with you, he. He just didn't. I feel like he didn't do anything really all that great outside of the contested catches situation. Like he he was very good in contested catches. Like like you said, that catch that he had where that defender's literally holding his right arm down, draping all over him, and he catches it one-handed, left-handed, while falling to the ground. Like Catches like that are, are extremely pre- impressive to me, and there's not a lot of guys that are coming out this year that can do things like that. But he doesn't separate very well. So like you said, he's going to have to be an outside receiver. He's not going to be able to play in the slot. He's 
not nearly quick enough. I don't think he's not nearly good as good of a route runner to do that. Uh, like, like, like you said, just okay speed. It's not, he's not a burner by any means, but he's not like, he's not slug slow either. Like he's, he's just kind of okay when it comes in terms of speed. I noticed that he likes to, he'll tip, he'll tip his routes a lot. Like there, I remember one play in particular stuck out to me really bad. I can't remember exactly who it was that he was playing, but he, for a guy that's like an outside receiver, the defender had no respect for his like deep ball ability. And he took like five steps to slow himself down in order to make a curl route. And if it was an NFL corner, that ball is pick six to the house. No questions asked. And it's, it's things like that, that make me think like, uh, is he going to be able to get open against these NFL corners? Cause like that, I think uh, I'm, I want to say it was, uh, I want to say it was Alabama they were just playing against, but I'm not 100% sure on that. And, like, all the corners in the NFL are just as good as the best corner at Bama. So, I mean, it's – if that's happening at the college level, it's going to happen at the NFL level too. But he he is athletic. He he was an all-state – he was an all-state player in basketball in high school. So, he – and he has some really impressive hurdles on, on tape that I saw. But just in terms of an NFL talent, I'm just not – I'm just not 100 sold on him. I, I can see him as like a red zone threat guy where you throw a fade to him every now and again, or kind of kind of like a Colin Johnson to be honest with you. Like he just yeah. a big body guy that kind of you just hope that he catches one in the end zone off a fade route or uh, boxes somebody out and just kind of goes up and gets it. But and that, that's just what I see at the moment. I'm just not a huge fan of him right now. What's a team, Jeremy, that you would like him to go to as a Seth Williams uh, optimist? Like, what's a quarterback? and a team fit where you think Seth Williams' full potential can be reached? Hmm. That's a good one. Because I think I there's teams totally out there, but I think he's uh, – I just think he's a little bit dependent. Who are you going to say? Um, I mean, honestly, it sounds weird, but I kind of feel like New Orleans would be nice. I think in that spot playing, like, necessarily a side of Michael Thomas, and I think Jama- if Winston is the quarterback – right? This if is a Winston Winston's only the take. starter. Yeah. If Winston's the starter, I mean, he's going to, I mean, we yeah. know like 30 interceptions. He's going to give him a shot. Right. Um, outside of that. I mean, I think LA could be interesting. He could take some time to learn maybe from like Mike Williams a little bit and kind of get. That's who he reminds um, me of a lot, right? Yeah. A little just bit. The name. But just like kind of learn some of like, just to kind of clean up what he needs to, and then be like a second year type breakout wide receiver or third year and just kind of let him nurture with that. And I think Justin Herbert will give him a shot. I think yeah, once, yeah, I'll chuck it. you know what I mean? So something like that, I mean, Kansas city, but like, I highly doubt it. I'm tired of everybody saying Kansas city for everyone. Like so. They It's like Kansas city is, is like putting a power forward on the warriors. You know, it's yeah. like, we're all here shooting threes. And then it's like, wait, you're telling me I should like chuck it to boogie cousins. It's like, no, I don't want to <laughs> deal with that. It's yeah. Like, right. I'll just give it to Tyree kill. Yeah. <laughs> Make it look fancy, but uh, let's move to uh, a let's I say less. Team. Yeah, let's go with a less alpha type wide receiver here. We're gonna go with a very productive um, Elijah Moore. He's five foot nine, one eighty five, and he's a junior out of Old Miss. Uh, this past season, he produced a thousand yard season and eight touchdowns with on eighty six receptions. I think his player profiler stats kind of really what stand out playing um, in the SEC. I mean, he had 
a 45% dominator rating and a 35% target share. And he had an eight, uh, 19 year old breakout age. Um, Ryan, why don't you start us off with Elijah Moore? How do you feel about Elijah? Uh, I like, I like Elijah Moore. Uh, Cause that's all American this past season. Uh, only had one game and I was, I was actually kind of blown away by this one game all season playing in the SEC where he had less than 10 catches and 90 yards. I mean, that, that's insane playing in the SEC. Like, those, those defenses are legit. I mean, so that's, that, that was super impressive when I saw that. Like, I, was, I, watched, I looked that up after I watched the tape, and I was just like I, like, I had to, like, double take at it. I was like, there's no way that's, that's right. But, it, I mean, it, that, that's insane for me. He's extremely explosive, uh, can make a house call at any given moment. So when he gets the ball in his hands, you have to, you have to bring him down or else he's going he's gonna to burn your defense. Uh, that is one problem with him, though, is that he's not going to break a lot of tackles. So if you do get your hands on him, more than likely you're going to bring him down. But easier said than done to get your hands on him because he is so fast and so explosive. Uh, he's got really soft hands, good hand-eye coordination. High points the ball really well and uh, adjusts really well despite his size. And he's really good at finding holes in zone defense. Like he, he's constantly just sitting where he needs to be, constantly being available to his quarterback. And he gives constant, constant effort. Like, you don't see him take any plays off. Like, you do some of these other guys that I watched today. Um, so, I, I really like I really like him overall. He's just uh, – durability could be an issue because of his size, but I'm not, I'm not too worried about that anymore in this day and age with at his size anyways. Like, he's not he's not too, too small, so I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. Do you mean thing, he's not too, too small, or do you mean he's not too, too at well small? Too, too at well small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tutu. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I hate Tutu at well. I, I, so I usually when I say that, I'm referring to Tutu well. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I think that even like a Jake had said earlier, where I think the NFL is kind of going to that more speed game nowadays. And mm-hmm. I feel like the linebackers and everything are getting smaller. So it's almost like these smaller guys necessarily the durability concern that we always have had. I feel like it's not lost because obviously it still could be an issue, but I just feel like you had said, like, I mean, he is, he's tough over the middle. I mean, he doesn't care. He's going to go in there. He makes catches and he takes licks. And I just think that I just, I just feel like it was just a side note that I just feel like that possibly this durability concern with these smaller guys might be something that in the next few years, is just completely irrelevant because you're going to have middle linebackers who are like, basically safeties you know what i mean that's a big push now is those outside linebackers are basically safeties converted so but jake how do you feel about uh, elijah moore love elijah moore i know that will be shocking for the for the analytics guy to to, to enjoy elijah moore um <laughs> i mean if, if mock drafts are to be believed and Kadarius tony and tutu atwell both go ahead of elijah moore i think that is asinine um to me, it doesn't really make any sense. If you want a slot-wide receiver with great speed who's going to be a really consistent weapon and get you yards on third downs over the middle repeatedly with big play upside without any of the red flags, then just draft Elijah Moore, who's who has those skill sets, except he's produced you know, ever since stepping on a campus, right? And in the SEC at Ole Miss, I mean, it's sort of like, what more do you want, right? He's He really checks all the boxes analytically. And on tape, I agree. I mean, that Matt Kelly always talks about the Greg Dortch corollary, which is 
these college guys who are, uh, you know, pretty small and produce a ton, but they're too slow. And that's always the first concern. But if you watch like one game of Elijah Moore, regardless of what he runs, it's definitely not a concern with him. I, I don't think that he is an elite, elite, elite athlete, like another guy named Moore in this class. However, he's, you know, the next closest thing. He's, he certainly has the burst to be able to get open against NFL players. He certainly has the speed to be able to take something to the house. And yeah, I think he could work on his physicality for sure. But I think he's going to be running a route tree in the NFL that's predicated upon getting into space. So I think a certainly, you know, he's a guy in the right situation where we could see a ton of targets focus his way. Probably a lower dot player, but a high yak player and a high volume player. And I think like we, the floor is almost certain. I, I would be stunned if Elijah Moore isn't at least a wide receiver three in your fantasy lineups for, you know, five, six years. And maybe he becomes more than that with, you know, with growth in his game with the right landing spot. Yeah. I think that you hit, hit the uh, nail on the head there. I honestly, I like to kind of look at it as almost like a, a Crowder or a Tyler Boyd type role. I think that would be the perfect role for Elijah Moore, depending on where he falls and just kind of that security blanket that just he, like Ryan had said too. I mean, he has the speed to just break plays and I just, I do. I like Elijah Moore a lot. And I think like the mock drafts, like you had mentioned, and even rookie mock drafts that we've been doing lately, he's going way like that late second round. And I mean, that's a steal. I think it might go higher once the draft happens, depending on landing spot. And once more people get on to who Elijah Moore is, but right now, I mean, late in the second round, he could possibly be a 10 point guy for you every week in fantasy football. So he's one of the best values by far. I just got him in round 16 of a super flex startup um, right now with rookies included. And he was going after uh, Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard, Antonio Brown, Benny Snell, Darnell <laughs> Mooney, uh, Kadarius Tony. Three rounds after Kadarius Tony, after Tamarian Terry, all these guys. Uh, round sixteen, it was crazy. He would have been yeah, like in the middle of round three in terms of the rookies, and and I think he has one of the safest floors out of anyone you know outside of like the Chase Bateman Smith tier. Yeah, I agree. I think I don't know. I mean, like Paris Campbell, for example, that's like another guy that like he could replace like more could replace Campbell in Indianapolis. We don't know. Yeah. Um, I would love that. I'm, I'm a big Colts fan. If anyone doesn't know, so I welcome Elijah. Moore <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> well, I'm hoping Paris Campbell does well. Cause I have way too many shares of him to not. So same. I, I like Campbell. <laughs> Stay but, healthy Paris. Come right. on. <laughs> but anyways, let's move on to Tylen Wallace. He is five foot 11, 185. He's a senior out of Oklahoma state. Another one that has, I would say, probably a decent analytical profile. Um, he almost capped a thousand yards three years in a row. Uh, it was basically a nine hundred to pass two. Um, but he had a forty-two percent dominator rating and a nineteen-year-old breakout age. Um, two things that I personally like when I, at least when I look at the analytical profile. Um, Jake, why don't you start us off with Wallace too? I love Tylen Wallace. Uh, this is probably the guy I want to roster the most out of any of the top 10 wide receivers. I mean, I'd, I'd love to roster the most of our chase, but in terms of like at cost, um, Tylen Wallace. So one of the things that I do in my modeling is I age adjust dominator rating. 
So usually the dominator ratings you'll see online is either going to be the highest single season dominator, which in this case, you know, that, that fits, or you'll see a cumulative college dominator. And what I usually do is I consider, you know, the age that that was actually accomplished at. And with Tylen Wallace, what stands out is his biggest season is still his sophomore season. So for anyone unfamiliar with Wallace and his journey, 2018 absolutely erupts is a huge season. Then 2019, he comes in, he has a hot start. He plays most of that year, suffers a significant injury, probably would have been a junior declare, but he wouldn't have been able to do anything at the combine. So he comes back, plays his senior year, and that's why he is ultimately a senior. He still has the early production that you'd usually look for. And so really the only knock on his analytical profile um, is that he happened to have a really devastating injury. In terms of if you take that away, it's fantastic. And he still produced really well this year in you know, what wasn't a, a super – uh, fantastic Oklahoma State team, or at least not up to Oklahoma State's typical offensive standards this year. Uh, diving into the tape, you know, Tylen Wallace, for a guy who's 5'11", 185, is probably one of the best pound-for-pound pound contested catch-wide receivers I've ever scouted in my life. Like, he's he looks like Malcolm Floyd and Christian Kirk's body. It's insane. He, on multiple occasions, will be running, you know, stride for stride with the defender, and we'll just absolutely body a dude and take it off of him. And it's pretty crazy to watch at his size, um, but he's able to accomplish that. And he's also a pretty solid route runner. He's a very savvy route runner as well. When he sees a hole, he's really good at making adjustments, getting in a spot where his quarterback needs him to be to find the ball. And he's just does all of the little things well. He's a really savvy player. I think he's going to be a perfect NFL player. And he does have more juice um, you know, than a guy like a Seth Williams. I know what he ran at Exos. He ran like what? Something stupid, like a 4-3-9. That, that does not show up on tape. I definitely don't think that he's actually a 4-3 player. I think he's like a high 4-4s, low 4-5s type of player. Um, he's he's. I think he's got more burst than he does actually have long speed. And you can see him create a lot of separation on double moves on occasion. I think he's probably going to be a guy who can work really, really well as a flanker wide receiver and also be an absolute stud as a slot wide receiver. But he does have big play upside both after the catch uh, and if he gets an opportunity to work those double moves against wide receivers. Only thing I really wish I could have seen more is more success and more reps against press. You don't see a lot of effective press coverage in the Big 12. The defenses aren't very good. Uh, and you're usually having to factor in that you're playing with subpar corners against spread offense. Um, I often saw him kind of get walled off against press coverage where the defender would pretty easily blockade his path and almost just run him out of bounds. Uh, I think he, he, is, he worked best when he had a little bit of space to work. But if that's something that he can get cleaned up, and I know he's a physical enough wide receiver to do it. I've seen that at the catch point. Then he's really one of the more complete wide receivers in the draft outside of the top tier, in my opinion. Yeah, Ryan, I'll let you uh, go here in a second. I just want to say, just because you had mentioned it with the press, I think that's like the really only surprising characteristic is because of how physical he is, like you said, at the catch point. And even like in the blocking game, he's a pretty physical blocker. And like once he actually saw press, like you said, very rarely, but when he did, it was kind of like, Okay, he was like what didn't like it. He just like was like very lacked the physicality and just kind of got like you said just pushed out of bounds or just basically tackled. You know what I mean? Like he just kind of stopped right there and didn't yeah, really do much. Which, which I think though, like you'd said, I think with how physically he is and everything at the NFL level, just seeing it a little bit more, even in practice or training camp or OTAs, like he'll probably be able to get around that. But Ryan, anything you want to add about Talon Walls? 
So during the show, I said that I would have some that something that some might say is hot takey. Um, for the guys that we're talking about today, I I would rank him number one of the guys that we're talking about. Um, I I absolutely loved what I saw on tape from him. Uh, I had a lot more positives than I do negatives on him. The only couple negatives that I had was that he he's a physical player, like a physical route runner and a physical player in terms of when he has a ball in his hands. But when it comes to blocking, for whatever reason, he's not really effective and not really physical. I'm not really sure why exactly it is. I don't know if he's just like, um, I'm not catching the ball, so I don't really care or what it is. So I guess it might be an effort thing, which can be taught at the NFL. It's it's a little bit different when you're not giving effort at the NFL level to the college level, but you'd like to see a little bit more effort from him on every play. Uh, and the, the ACL tear that he suffered – could be a future concern, but he looks fully recovered this season, so I'm not all that worried about it, to be honest with you. Uh, as for the positives, his he's got great body control and ball adjustment skills. Like I said, he's a physical runner who has great vision when he has the ball in his hands. He looks a lot like a, a running back, uh, he, and he tracks the ball extremely, extremely well when it's coming into him. He has an elite, elite route tree. He, he has a nasty uh, – slant and go where he he's like mastered the ability to look at the quarterback and that corner bites up on it. And as soon as that, as soon as he feels a corner step up, he's, he's going to the corner and going towards the pylon. And I haven't seen that get stopped yet on tape. He get, he, he'll catch the ball and it might not be a touchdown every time, but I haven't seen him get stopped yet at, at the college level. So uh, I think if you, I think if you can master a route, even, even something is, it's not an easy route to run. Like you have to, you have to have the instincts to know when that corner is biting down on you and you have to know where exactly you have to step and when to step and all that stuff. Like he doesn't waste any steps in his routes either. So I really, really like that. He doesn't have any wasted movements. Uh, hand catches makes tough catches look relatively easy. Uh, he's got great yak ability. So that's not, that's not a concern either, even though he doesn't have like, like Jake, he's not a, four, three, four, four guy. Like he may have ran at XOs or whatever, but he's, he's not, he's not slow by any means. He's very explosive with the ball in his hands. Uh, Lane Kiffin, his coach compared him to Steve Smith, who he had Lane Kiffin also had Steve Smith. So anytime somebody gets compared to Steve Smith, when it comes to, I, I, I tend to listen a little bit, uh, or that goes for anybody, not just Steve Smith, but I'm just saying like Steve Smith's a, a great, great receiver. And, and one of the, best receivers in the league, especially at his size. So uh, you, you got to kind of respect the fact that Lane was able to – was out, was willing to go out on a limb and say, hey, like this guy this guy is Steve Smith in terms of his ability. If I was to tell you that uh, he's my wide receiver five in this class that I have him compared to Chris Godwin, is that completely insane um, or is that somewhat reasonable? I'm going to say it's somewhat I reasonable. So. I don't think it's that crazy. I think – once you like you'd mentioned earlier, where once you get off of Chase, Bateman, and Smith, like you fall off of that. And I think there's just a wide variety that you could go in any direction, any route, any way. Like Tylen Wallace is good. Rondell Moore is good. There's a lot of like about Terrace Marshall. There's a lot to like about Amon Ross St. Brown. So like I don't I, to me, I don't think so. I think that this grouping with all those guys I just mentioned, I think could very easily be interchanged depending on what you like as a prospect. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's I think that crazy. 
I think it's a really large tier two in this draft class. I don't know about you guys, yeah. but I feel like tier two is an extremely large group. Like, I feel like you said I Bateman. I player tier two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bateman, Pace, and Smith are the, I think, are the clear one, two, three tier one guys. And then after that, like you said, I mean, you can group, you can group seven to 12 guys in tier two if you really wanted to, depending on what you're looking for. So, uh, tier two is a huge clump of like just good, but, or really some, some of them have really great uh, attributes and just like a, here or there you have like, ah, he can't do this or that great, but they're still going to be, they're still going to be productive at the next level. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally agree. Let's talk about our, uh, our last wide receiver before Jake gets to uh, plug his favorite wide receiver. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about Rondell Moore here real quick. Um, he's five foot nine, 180 pounds, who can squat 600. That's just crazy. Um, and he's a junior out of Purdue. Um, he had a very early breakout. Um, he had a 1,200 yard season in 2018. And since he had not as great production, however, he did sustain an injury. Um, but I think he's that's the big thing there with his analytical profile, too, is, I mean, he had an 18-year-old breakout age. I mean, that's 99th percentile. So if that's something that you take into account heavily, I mean, this should be your guy. He should be your wide receiver one. Uh, let's go with you, Jake. How do you feel about Rondell Moore? Yeah, so as I mentioned, I have seven guys in Tier 2, which is my wide receiver 4 through 10. Rondell Moore is not in Tier 2 because he's my wide receiver 3. Um so, I mean, as a, uh, and I have Smith at, at the top of, of tier two, wide receiver four. So with Rondale Moore, I mean, things that I look for, right? I care a lot about age adjusted production. I care a lot about how you can do in space. I care a lot about your versatility. Um, if there was like a player that was cooked up in a lab to represent everything that I love about the game of football and that I love about wide receivers, scouting wide receivers, it's Rondale Moore. Um, he just, he stuns me uh, with the stuff that he's able to do on the football field, especially at his size. He's the only player in this class. I don't have a comp for because I literally don't have a clue um, how I would come up with a comp that would articulate both what he does on the football field, how he's used, how he ought to be used as well as his extremely unique production profile, which is basically goat level production in the freshman year and then devastating injury and then fall off, you know, kind of the face of the earth. Um, what does he do? So he's, he's a weapon one, right? Like whether or not he's wide receiver one or wide receiver two, whatever, he's weapon one. Um, you get him the ball in the space and he's absolutely electric. He's one of the fastest players in the class. He might, might be the fastest player in the class, probably Anthony Schwartz, but I would say he's probably going to be like two or three. Um, he's also ridiculously strong. And you mentioned that he squats 600 pounds and similar to what I was talking about with Tony it's, you know, there's different kinds of yak wide receivers, right? There's the guys who are super fast and super shifty and more is all of that. But he's also a guy who will run through you and run over you and bounce off you, you know, similar to a running back. He's also a really good route runner. I mean, we haven't seen a developed tree of routes, right? So he's used at Purdue in a particular role, kind of similar to how Debo Samuel ends up getting used in San Francisco, where they run him a lot behind the line and, you know, he kind of does his thing, but I, I mean, I see all the same agility, all the same quick twitch that he shows with the ball in his hands when he's out there running more fully developed routes on the off chance that he gets the opportunity to do so. I think he can extend that in the NFL. I look last year to a guy like a Brandon Ayuk, who was ridiculously electric, 
you know, with the ball in his hands, we saw that quick twitch ability, didn't get a chance to run a particularly full route tree at Arizona State, but I saw in his releases and I saw in his breaks what I thought were the elements of a particularly strong NFL route runner if that, you know, was developed in the show. And, and I think it's worked well with IU. I think Moore has that, but he has even more upside in terms of his raw speed. And so I think, you know, what could Moore be in the NFL level? I, I'm not sure, right? Like there's questions on, you see that sort of slot, small wide receiver archetype, like a Beasley or a Crowder. My question is, what if you took Cole Beasley or Jamison Crowder, but they were a 4-3 athlete, you know, who's one of the strongest players in the team? Is that player a fantasy wide receiver one? I'm not sure, but I think that we might have a chance to find out. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with that. I think it's, for me, it's, I don't feel like his floor is safe. That's what, that's what worries me with him necessarily. I know that's probably not who you sh- how you should be looking when you're drafting. You should be kind of going more towards the upsides which he has an absurd upside, like you'd mentioned. I think the one play that always sticks in my mind is the Ohio State play where he, I don't remember if it was a screen or it was an end around, but he comes around and I mean, he literally either runs over, runs through, spins off of like at least 10 of the Ohio State defenders and then just bursts out of nowhere and comes flying out and takes it to the house. Like he's just crazy. Like his, his, his contact balance, like you'd mentioned, his... But he doesn't also shy away from it. I mean, he's five foot nine. You'd think that this guy is like, oh, I'm gonna get down in the middle or anything like that. No, he he takes on the contact and he enjoys it. I think for me, it's the same thing that you had said, Jake. Like, it's tough for me to vi- envision him what he's gonna be at the next level. You know what I mean? Like, is he gonna be like a Cole Beasley or Crowder where he's running just kind of routes? relatively in the slot, maybe going deep a couple times, kind of running some slants all inside, or is he going to be that Debo Samuel role where he's basically used how he was at Purdue, which I think maybe better almost for his fantasy production to be the Debo Samuel role. You know what I mean? I think that role in the NFL is kind of the way it's going. And depending on where he lands, I think he could be, I don't know if he'll ever be a wide receiver one. I think safe would be wide receiver two. And I think, that's not bad by no means. I mean, I'd take a wide receiver two all day, but I just think that I just am concerned that he wasn't used any other way at Purdue. You know what I mean? I feel like that maybe they just knew that he was good at that. And that's what they did. Cause they also have David Bell who comes out next year, who I like a lot more. Do you know what I mean? So like love David Bell. Yeah, I just think that maybe they just realized, okay, he had that crazy freshman production before Bell was there. Bell shows up, he gets hurt, and they're like, oh, well, we have this guy too now, and now it's just let's just use more with what he's good at in this versatile role. Um, so I just – I don't know. It's the concern to me is that he's five foot nine, and what is his actual role going to be in the NFL? I mean, no, mean, he's probably the best athlete in the class. Like, he's just absurd. He's a workout freak. I mean, he's just crazy, but it's just – I just concerned what his role will be, I guess. Ryan, how anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, you guys kind of you guys kind of touched on everything that I was going to say. Um, Sorry, like, like he's going to be <laughs> he's going to be a a gym a gym warrior in the NFL level. Like he's you hear stories of, I mean, you see the pictures of him. I don't know if you guys have seen like yeah. the pictures of him from Echoes, but dude, is, dude is shredded. He's, he's huge. Dope. He's he's a freak. Forty uh, two inch vertical Echoes that was on video. He looked like you literally could drive a truck underneath his feet when you jump. <laughs> um, 
he he is a he's a freak athlete like you had said uh the only thing is the only thing that has me a little concerned with him in terms of his NFL potential is that he had that he had like a hand injury his sophomore year and then he had a or a hamstring injury his sophomore year I can't remember which one was first but he had a hand injury and then a hamstring injury and then he had a, a lower body injury this past season that kept him out whether that lower body injury was that same hamstring and just never fully healed or whether he just didn't really want to play because of COVID, but didn't want to come out and say that, or what, like, I'm not really sure what exactly was going on there, but uh, we've seen guys like Julio Jones have these lower body injuries that just continue to linger. And that, that makes me a little bit, that honestly makes me a little bit worried because those things don't get better as you get older. They kind of tend to get worse, even though he's still, he's still young. It's not like he's Julio Jones's age, but, uh, it's just it's just a little concerning seeing somebody that's that athletic of a freak constantly have these lower body injuries that seem to keep him out of games for an extended period of time. So uh, I do like his versatility. He's not, but he's not like a uh, a strict gadget player like some of these other guys that we've talked about that probably are going to have to have manufactured touches. I think he can create separation on his own, so he doesn't really have to worry about the uh, – like these trick plays or end rounds to get open or get touches or anything like that. I think he's a bona fide NFL receiver. It's just, he, he does have some stuff that he needs to work on, but his athleticism should, as long as that lower body injury isn't anything crazy and anything serious, I think he should be, he should be very productive at the next level. And uh, like you had said, I, I, th I think his floor is probably like a, like a Curtis Samuel type guy where he's not going to be the number one guy. He's not going to be a, I mean, he's bigger than Curtis Samuel and he's, I think he's more athletic than Curtis Samuel is, but uh, four wise, he's not going to be like the alpha receiver in an offense, but he's going to be one of those guys that you want to get in space and want to get touches for and just see what he can do. Something, one of these guys is going to get handoffs and things like that. So that, that'd be my four for him. Uh, ceiling. I don't know. I'm not, I, I can't really speak on that right now. So he's, he's more team dependent, unfortunately for me than, you know, yeah. sort of the rest of the top level prospects in this class. I, I think just, I mean, my, my hope and my expectation is that any team willing to spend, you know, it's probably going to be a second round pick on him, uh, has a plan, right? Like that's my hope. But of course, NFL teams, you know, they do dumb things sometimes. So if he did go to a team that decides to just, you know, play him like they would play any other wide receiver, then, you know, he's probably going to fall fall down my, my rankings precipitously. But my hope is, is that an NFL team would look at this guy and say, like, yeah, he has certain limitations, but he can do things that not a lot of human beings on earth can do, right? And it's like, let's just get him the ball in space and let's make this guy a guy that we cater plays on our offense too. And then we'll also develop, you know, the rest of his game. So that's that's my hope. Um, you know, New Orleans, a guy can dream. Um, Kansas City, a guy can dream, right? Like those are the kind of places where I'd love to see him go. I want to see him with a creative offensive coordinator uh, and, and an opportunity to get the ball in space. But we'll see. What about Jacksonville, uh, Urban Meyer? I don't want Jacksonville because uh, I kind of feel similarly uh, about Chenault that I feel yeah. about Rondale where Chenault was like one of True. my favorite prospects in last year's class. Uh, and there's sort of only so many of those gadgety touches to go around. Um, yeah, that's true. I, I think that more 
is probably better at the gadgety touches than Chenault, but also more dependent on them. Like yeah. the thing about Chenault is he's the same size as AJ Brown and like Des Bryant, right? So like he, if he can polish himself up, he could really be a more complete wide receiver. Moore has certain limitations that being 5'9", 180 half, right? You're not going to line yeah. up at X wide receiver probably. So he, I think, needs more of those scheme touches. But, like, yeah, I mean, Kansas City is, like, my dream, right? Like, if you could just say, like, okay, um, all that shit we were giving to Mecole Hardman who doesn't know how to play football, we're going to give it to <laughs> Rondale Moore now. And then also he'll get all of Sammy Watkins' dusty targets. That sounds great to me. Uh, you yeah. know, New Orleans would be another great place where they can implement some of the stuff they do with Kamara with him. And, you know, who does New Orleans even have behind Michael Thomas? It's like Traquan Smith and my guy, Marquez Calloway, uh, who's on like eight or some of my dynasty rosters. So that's, I don't know. That's the dream, but we'll see. Jacksonville, <laughs> I'm sure Meyer would use him well. I just, the Visca thing scares yeah, me. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I wasn't thinking. More, uh, more actually has a meeting with Green Bay, and I think that'd be super interesting. Yes, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they, they do those things, right? So Green Bay runs that formation a lot. They would run it with both Jones and Williams, or they would run it with Tyler Irvin, where they'll do a two-back formation, and they do the sort of double-wheel package. You also see this in a lot of Anthony Lynn offenses, so I think Detroit could be a sneaky good landing spot for him, where if they use more, it's sort of that secondary running back, and it gives them sort of that three-way choice route tree, right? They can either do the double-wheel package, they do the you know that option route where he comes inside, cuts out, and they do a lot of that in Green Bay, especially in red zone packages where they use both backs. They were using Tyler Irvin a little bit in that early in the year before he got hurt. Uh, I think that's another option where that would make you know a ton of sense. And he's always going to have space to work in Green Bay because right, you have to respect Devontae Adams, who's you know probably the best wide receiver in the league. Agreed. I like it. Well, let's close the show tonight with Jake. We'll let him kind of go off on his one guy. He really wanted to, yeah. to plug him in here. So um, why don't you go ahead and talk about Jalen Darden out of North Texas? He of the 61% college dominator rating. Um, okay, so Jalen Darden. Uh, he's 5'9", 176, so another small, very fast player. Uh, I don't think we have a 40 time yet, but... Again, I would be stunned if it's not in the low four threes or high four threes at uh, at the very late at the very slowest. Uh, played at North Texas, go Mean Green. Um, what's the story with him? Well, he's an absolutely ridiculous producer, right? If you just look at his raw production in terms of his college dominator rating in his final season, it's like Des Bryant level incredible. He's up over sixty percent, which is I gotta assume that's like the 99th percentile. Um, issues with Darden, of course starts with he played the conference usa and you know i always hear a lot of times whenever there's these small school prospects that do this it's like oh anybody could do that at conference usa well no they don't um most people don't do that in the conference usa otherwise you'd see these prospects every single year with a 60 percentile dominator rating playing in the conference usa and that just doesn't happen um at the end of the day darden has some insanely good change of direction skills. You see it on returns, you see it on handoffs, you see it on catches. Uh, he's so, so sudden with his movements, you know, in kind of a similar vein to what we talked about with Moore, uh, uh, Elijah Moore, that is. I think that's probably more similar as a comp than, than Tony or um, or Rondale, and that I don't think he's as physical as those guys are. But he's also really a deep threat. Right? Like, I think he's probably faster than all three of those guys, except for maybe Rondale Moore. Um, and so he can actually play stretch Z, I think, as much as, you know, some of them might be just more of a slot only guy. Biggest question I have with him is his physicality. Uh, a lot of his production 
actually came out of the same formation, which is a little bit goofy, and you don't ever really see it. I think Buffalo is pretty much the only team in the NFL that runs this routinely, where you see two wide receivers line up with one directly behind the other um, on the end, and basically the first one's a blocker, and then the other ones you throw a bubble screen. And they do this in Buffalo a lot with their four wide receiver sets, and they ran this basically every time they got inside the 10 at North Texas, and it's hilarious. I understand how the defense just didn't, know exactly what the play was going to be. Uh, and so you got a lot of manufactured touches for Darden out of that setup where basically he was the only wide receiver that the play was even designed for. Uh, another issue would be, I just don't think he's very physical at the catch point and he's going to need to work on that. If I had a comp, I would say really, really similar in my view to KJ Hamler, who was also a very productive, very speedy wide receiver out of Penn State who had some physicality concerns, uh, but can be used in a lot of different ways. And I think there's a lot of untapped potential for Hamler if he isn't, you know, the fourth option in a Drew Locke-led offense. So I'm a big fan of Jalen Darden. I, I was a big fan of KJ Hamler. Um, and I think at a cost of nothing, because he's not in the sleeper database, um, I, since he, you're on him, I've been looking. I've been I, every day. I like reset for the waiver so, wire. This is my Dude, campaign. I, God, I I tried to draft him in our <laughs> I know. mock draft with the undroppables. We're with the undroppables. I tried to draft him, and I could not find him. So I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna pick this guy. Yeah. So this is my campaign. Okay, <laughs> you don't have to put him in your top ten wide receivers. I don't even have my top ten wide receivers. He's wide receiver thirteen for me right now in this class. You don't have to have him even that high. You don't even have to have him in your top 20. But sleeper, put him in the database. Gosh damn it. I mean, right. we have some serious jabronis in the database. And this guy could have won the freaking Bolitnikoff Award. 60% college dominator. And he's not even in the sleeper database. So that drives me nuts. Uh, I think he's, he's a really fun player. I don't know if you guys have watched much of Jalen Darden or have a take on him. Other than that, I hope he at least belongs in the sleeper database in your eyes. Ryan, why don't you uh, take it? Oh, uh, yeah. I, th I think he definitely belongs in the uh, <laughs> database for sure. Because like I said, I was I was legitimately trying to draft him in the fourth or fifth round. I can't remember where I was looking at, but I was I was definitely trying to draft him. Uh, but yeah, like you said, his his uh, analytics are great, especially for a, for a smaller school like that. Uh, you don't P – PFF graded him at 89.9 this past year. So Ooh. he's not – it's not like he's – He's not a scrub by any means. I mean, he's 1,100 yards and 19 touchdowns in nine games this season. Like 19 touchdowns in nine games. I mean, you don't you don't do that just being a just fast. Like there's other fast players in the, in college football that didn't score 19 touchdowns or even half of 19 touchdowns. So uh, my my comp for him right now is uh, Darnell Mooney. Just makes sense purely, purely based off of play style and things like that, but. I, I like him a lot. If I if I can snag him up in drafts, I definitely will. Especially if I can get him off the waiver wire. Like if there's still guys falling and he's still for whatever reason sitting on the waiver wire when we're done with the drafts, I'll I'll probably have a fair share of him when it comes time. Yeah, my yeah, three I mean, waiver wire guys last year were were Marquez Callaway, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, and Gabe Davis, and we got we got one hit I think so far. One pending and, and one yet to be hit, but there's a lot of opportunity in New Orleans. So, what do you think of uh, what do you think of Darden post? Yeah, I mean, I I haven't watched a whole lot of Darden. I kind of like once you mentioned that you wanted to talk about him, I kind of tossed some on and kind of just watched a little bit of it. But I agree basically with everything you said and what Ryan said. I think he's just kind of Darnell Mooney makes a lot of sense, like that kind of gadget type player. It's not really gadgety, but like. 
he's not really your like alpha type receiver, but he's he could be successful. I think it's going to be a dependent on a landing spot. By the sounds of it, you sound like the Bills should take him, and I will write to Brandon Bean and let him know that watch Jalen Darden. He will work in your four wide receiver sets. So it's better than Isaiah McKenzie. He can, oh, he yeah, can, he sure. can run the Isaiah McKenzie route. Trip. Yeah. That's Yeah. We'll send it to him too. So we'll send it to sleeper and to the bills. We'll go from there. <laughs> but, at least I get out sleeper. Sleeper. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need to put him on sleeper. Exactly. <laughs> him right. and my, my other small school crush isn't on sleeper either. Uh, a quick bonus one. I love Cade Johnson out of South Dakota state and he's not on sleeper either. He's the other one. Yeah. He's the other he's guy. Not? No, he's not. I, I'm in leagues where we take kickers as placeholders. So I have a kicker placeholder for Kate Johnson, a kicker placeholder for Jalen Darden, and a kicker placeholder for uh, TJ Vasher out of Texas Tech, the human oak tree. Yeah, we talked about Vasher a couple back. I like Vasher a little bit. I think he's an interesting like waiver wire slash late round pick, too. He's but, about uh, two Jalen Dardens. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, why don't we uh, wrap this up here? Why don't, Jake, you go back through and kind of let everybody who's listening kind of know where you're at and what you got going on quick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this was a ton of fun. First off, thanks a ton for asking me to be on here. Um, I had a total blast. Uh, you can find me on my regular show Tuesday nights, uh, same time, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'll be on there with Chase and Shane and John Bauer tomorrow night. Uh, so make sure to tune in for that one. And then we'll have Drew Ozenchuk, DF Bean Counter, on a week from now. Um, so we'll probably get a chance to talk a little bit more about rookies than we have been. Find me on Twitter, FF underscore RTDB. Find some of my written work on uh, Join Our Circle and on Player Profiler. More stuff coming, and I'll be back full force on Twitter uh, arguing about why landing spots don't matter and speed score uh, matters more than you think it does uh, on Twitter after I get through uh, my first year of law school here. So thanks a ton for having me on. Uh, the pleasure was all ours. Uh, you're really knowledgeable, and I think if you aren't following him, you should. Um but Ryan, why don't you uh, let everybody know where they can find you and anything upcoming? You can find me at Mackie underscore FFB on Twitter. Uh, I do have a Facebook too, but I'm not really going to get into that. Uh, I thought about it, but I was just like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not going to worry about that. Um, yeah. But no, I've just been doing, uh, like I said, I've been doing a lot of mock drafts and things like that, just trying to get, get things rolling with that. Because uh, I don't know about you guys, but I like to do, I like to do my, uh, rookie drafts like immediately after the draft. Oh yeah. So I'm trying to get, I've been trying to get my stuff straightened out and figured out and see where places where guys are going to go. And I mean, it's going to change a little bit with, uh, with the draft, but uh, for the most part, relatively stays remotely the same. So I like to do a lot of mock drafts before the draft starts and do my rookie drafts immediately after that. So if anybody wants to hop in on a mock draft or anything like that, feel free to DM me about any questions or that or anything like that. And just let me know. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, I am at Pope's FFH. You can find me, um, on Twitter. You can find some of my written work over at yards per also the, uh, sports gambling podcast. Um, other than that, I'm just kind of running through some rookie threads on Twitter. Uh, like Ryan had said too, if you feel free, send a DM, shoot something over, um, any questions, anything you have. And, uh, That concludes our show this evening and look forward to seeing you guys next week. Absolutely.